0: You are now listening to The Secret Life of a Grad Student. I'm Megan. I'm Laure. And we are two grad students who want to share the untold stories of graduate students' past and present. Hi everyone. Today I'm interviewing Richard Mankine, who is a senior entomologist working for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. Richard was born with missing muscles in his legs and arms. Today, he's telling us how he was born with a physical disability, but also to be a scientist. Uh,
1: I went to graduate school at uh, the University of Florida, and my current title is research entomologist. So I've got a bunch of different projects in, including uh, uh, working with detection of hidden infestations of insects, and also working with uh, insect communication. So for example, I work with uh, Asian citrus psyllid. That is a pest of citrus in Florida. In fact, it's killed off a lot of the orange groves. And it communicates with uh, vibrations to mate. The male buzzes its wings and the, the female replies and they locate each other on the tree. I've worked a lot with uh, sound and vibration over the years, uh, partly to detect and partly to understand uh, their uh, communication behaviors.
0: We like to know when was the really beginning of our interviewers with their relationship with science. and if you had any influencers, like family
1: member or teacher? Okay, so I was raised in uh, southern New Mexico, and I was right next to a mountain, but I was living in the desert. Uh, I was just curious about everything, so I wanted to know why there were mountains, why there were deserts, uh, why did birds fly and insects fly, but I couldn't fly. (laughs) And I did have a disability, uh, so quite reduced mobility, so I was very interested in anything that moved, and I ended up getting into physics. I had a grandfather and a father both who really liked technology uh, they both liked cars for example my dad was an electronic technician he kind of aided and abetted me because i wanted to take things apart and put them back together and stuff like that and was interested in all that too neither of them had gone to college they were they were definitely interested in technology. So I I would say they were somewhat of an influence. I had some teachers, uh, maybe a physics teacher in high school that really encouraged me. But otherwise, uh, I did have a guidance counselor. I had gone to see in eighth grade saying, oh, I'm in all the wrong classes. I, I need to take high level classes I learned something because I didn't feel like I was learning anything and I don't know if he believed me or not but he said okay I'm taking you out of these low classes and I'm putting you in the high classes and I think he expected that I would not do well but I actually did just fine. Oh nice. There were different people around I I wouldn't say there was any particular one except my dad because he was around
0: and how did you decide to go to college and in physics did you did you start physics right away in college as an undergrad
1: yeah i i got uh, my undergraduate degree in uh, physics but i always did like biology so it was kind of uh, complicated (laughs) there are people who do a lot of biology and are in physics Uh, i (laughs) i I found them later (laughs) But not not initially. I was one of the few people in physics who really also liked biology. The undergraduate school was fine. Uh, I, was, uh, I was at New Mexico State, and, and there was white sands missile range near there, and so there were a lot of physics things going on and uh, I learned a lot and then went to uh, the University of Florida and learned a lot more biology and ended up in, in entomology
0: did you work between your undergrad and your grad school a little bit or did you run right away for grad school
1: No I graduated uh, undergraduate school and immediately started at uh, the University of Florida I, I didn't take any time off I didn't take summer off or whatever I was working during the summer and taking classes in undergraduate school. Uh, pretty much the same thing happened in grad school. I, I don't think people in grad school take time off. After I finished my master's degree and started in entomology in, for a PhD, I did my PhD part-time because I started working in an entomology laboratory university. And uh, so I was working full-time and doing the PhD part-time. So it, it took longer that way so I don't know if you'd call that a break or
0: not. yeah I always say that a little bit <laughs> how was your time in grad school what was your day-to-day like
1: it was a long time ago but I remember I started off taking preparatory courses and they usually started about 11 and they'd run for several hours during the day and then in the evenings I would do homework Types stuff in those days. I'd I'd stayed up late (laughs) until got up at nine and and did that pretty regularly. Uh, I was in Florida and I I really liked the springs and uh, lots lots of the Florida scenery. So I remember spending some time on the on the weekends going off and looking at things and uh, realizing there there were a lot more insects around in Florida than in New Mexico. (laughs) Yeah. And that also made me more interested in insects.
0: Did you feel that you were supported when you were in grad school by your peers, your family, or your friends?
1: Yes and no. It's uh, Okay, so because of my disability, typically when I first go to a new place and meet new people, my disability is obvious so that a, a lot of people are put off. It was never super easy for me. To make friends, but but I did make plenty of friends in graduate school. and Inter- interacted with I don't know five or six other graduate students in, in particular who usually were were taking some of the same courses. And I was interested in uh, in women mm-hmm. <laughs> and dated and ended up getting getting married while I was in graduate school. Have somewhat of a social life, but I, I would say that by the end when I was working. On my PhD, plus working regularly, it really, just the process of writing and thinking and all that stuff, uh, doing, doing experiments, ended up being very time-consuming. I dropped most of the other activities that I'd been doing and just focused in on finishing up. So it changed over the course of my graduate
0: career. So now we would like to learn a little bit more about this uh, disability that you have. Can you can you describe it for the people that don't know you and uh, that are listening?
1: My condition is called uh, arthrogryposis mu- muscular congenita, and uh, it's uh, kind of a rare condition. So, some people have different forms of it. I, I think some people have something called club foot that usually is is just the lower extremities. But, but basically, uh, I had muscles missing in most of the lower part of my body and some in the upper part, the arms and legs in, in particular. I had trouble with mobility early, but uh, braces and crutches helped overcome some of that and I was able to get hand controls on a car and have a car so so that all did eventually change so that my boat mobility was similar enough to to most people that it's been much of an issue I know I do try to exercise a lot to make sure I stay mobile but but that's it's probably good for me because I'm I feel pretty healthy if I go out and walk for an hour every morning. I would say exercising is probably my main hobby.
0: Oh yeah, no, that's a good one. What do you do for exercising?
1: I, I mostly walk. I do like to go out in the woods and stuff like that. But uh, um, in in Florida, could be problematic because there's a lot of swamps and stuff like that. But, mm-hmm. but there's also places where it's.
0: Not so you mentioned that uh, writing and making experience was your most time-consuming. Is there any other very big challenge about your disability when you were doing science or the other aspects?
1: In general, I, I don't think so. It To some extent, it depended, like if I changed from one group to another, it, it was necessary to meet new people and al- almost always uh, the people, when they saw me, they would think that I did not have as much mobility as I actually do. Also, in general, most people think of disabled people as not not, a, not as good mentally as a person without a disability. It would always take a period interaction with, with people before they understood whatever situation we were in. But mostly that that was not a particular problem. I did fine at grades. And, and uh, I'm a, a pretty good writer, although I wish I was faster. And so uh, it wasn't uh, the, the mental part of graduate school was not, was not particularly difficult.
0: Yeah, you, you mentioned in one of our discussion previously by email that actually finding uh, fundings for your research later was one of the most challenging thing. Of your career?
1: Yes, uh, because I always want to do more stuff than is available for. I have at different times obtained grants. Uh, what, what I found for me is a lot of times if I come up with a really cool new idea and put out a grant proposal, I'll get that. And then when the money is used up and I go back to continue on with it, a lot of times there's no more money and I have to come up with a totally new idea and propose that and get funded for that. Uh, Even though I want to continue on doing the work I was doing, but uh, I I have been fortunate in keeping going all these years. I'm 73 now, and uh, I I could retire, but the work is so much fun, and, and the tools that they have to work with, studying uh, insect behavior and physiology, and uh, dealing with pest management. None of those probably, probably almost none of those. except some of the old standby ones uh, existed back when I first started. So I've gone through a whole change in the the way the research is conducted and the the kinds of things that are best management in in entomology.
0: Do you remember a specific time where uh, your disability interfered with your work?
1: Well, I have a soft spot for travel. I really love to go see new areas and new agricultural areas uh, and uh, just see people in, in other countries. And some of the research is difficult to do. And I saw that, that that was one of the questions and I thought, well, what what is an example of, okay, so I was working with detection of grayback grubs that attacked the sugarcane root system this was in Australia but we did two week experiment where we looked for grayback grubs in sugarcane plantations. And uh, one of the things we had to do was dig up the sugarcane. Well, I couldn't do a very good job of that. So I had lots of help. We would first listen for weevils to see if they were there uh, and make a prediction. Yes, there there is a weevil down there in the root system or not. And then we would dig it up. We did lots of that. Well, it was it was a lot of work even for the other people but we had lots of fun doing that i remember uh, one place we went there were a bunch of wild pigs that were way off in the distance and they saw us they started coming towards us so after a while we left and got in the truck and they ran a little bit
0: did you travel a lot during your your science career
1: i did some in graduate school but uh, most of it has been in, in, say, the last 15 years, uh, because I've been working with detection of tropical insects that attract trees, partly because uh, insects make more noise wh- when it's warm. So that, that's where the tropical comes from. And, and a lot of the trees that are attacked by in- insects are, are in tropical Areas and they, they seem to like trees in tropical areas. So I've been in places like uh, Saudi Arabia, Spain, Guam, a lot of places in Florida do studies like that. And, and those, uh, those are kind of fun.
0: How do you do to manage uh, or overcome your, your obstacle? You mentioned like uh, races and, and, and crutch. Do you have other ways or things that you came up with to, to help you? Well,
1: I I have uh, been involved in development of several different kinds of scientific equipment, Uh, a lot of having to do with uh, sound detection. There's been a, a few things that I've done that kind of helped me out in particular to to get things done but but mostly I I would say that just uh, by learning how to use my braces and crutches effectively and trying really hard to stay physically fit I've, I've been able to deal with it.
0: You say you've been involved into the development of technologies to help the mobility of people so how did it translate to those kind of technology?
1: Well, okay, so I haven't gone into manufacturing, but certainly like a lot of times I'll have trouble reaching things, so I've made little kind of extenders and things like that. I think those actually you can buy. (laughs) Those kinds of things have helped. Stairs can be sometimes hard for me, so stairs leading up to my house I Replace those with ramp things like that. Yeah. It, it's not real high tech. <laughs> yes, I, I think most most people try to set up their houses and, and places where they spend most of their time in, in a way set things up so that it's easier for them.
0: So that's kind of a, our last question. Is there what is your silver lining of having this disability?
1: I don't think that there is a silver lining. Okay. If there were a civil silver lining, I would say it comes from developing an understanding that I I think most people have some sort of disability. A lot of times may not be obvious uh, possibly not even to them, but I I can be more sensitive to that, having having a disability that I adapted to deal with. I don't know if it makes me more compassionate or, or whatever, but I, I do feel like there's parts of working with other people that make it easier to understand their their motivations and, and what issues they have that make it difficult for them to deal with certain parts of life and a lot of people, if they recognize a disability in another person, they uh, consider it a negative and, and perhaps even break friendships and stuff like that. If, if a person doesn't do things exactly uh, the, the way their social situation demands. I have been able to help uh, other people in, in different situations, maybe by understanding some of that and helping them to develop ways to, to overcome what, whatever problem they have. I might have ended up doing that anyway, even without a disability, so I don't, I don't know for sure. Yeah, that's,
0: that's uh, that, I mean, yeah, we'll ne- we never know, but that's yeah. a huge um, quality to have as a leader, particularly, to be able to, to, to see through people, even when you say yourself they might not know themselves that they have something that holds them back. You you mentioned as well in one of those uh, papers that I found online that your disability helped you to be very creative in your day-to-day life. And and that helped you uh for your science as well, because creativity is a huge part as well of being a scientist.
1: Yes, I I think that was the case because uh, a lot of things uh, that a person with a disability has to do is figure out ways to get to get around the, the problem that they have and come up with a, a workaround. And I, I have come up with a lot, a lot of different workarounds. I think that uh, persons with disabilities can actually bring this to the table and cooperating with others having a bunch of different perspectives of people uh, when when problems need to be attacked uh, is 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 helpful I, I think not only in science but other areas
0: thank you very much that's uh, that's very generous of you to to share a bit of your time today thank you bye Thank you for listening Secret Life of a Graduate Student. Next week, we will have our final discussion with Catherine, David, and Richard on overcoming challenges in grad school. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.